Wake the neighbors and phone the kids. It's about time for WSLM's newest show. Get ready for Kentuckiana Sports Talk, the biggest and only local sports talk show in Kentuckiana. Focusing on Southern Indiana and Kentucky high school sports, regional college sports, and national sports news. If you want to talk to the KST guys, George Browning and Blair Thompson, call the KST Talk Line at 812-883-3401. Keep your comments brief and to the point, or Becky will throw a flag and take you out of the game. And now we go into Studio A inside the Pinewood Studios of WSLM for Kentuckiana Sports Talk with George and Blair. Get ready for Kentuckiana Sports Talk. All right. Happy Monday, everybody. If you're tuning in, I hope you're dry. I hope you're on high ground, whatever the case may be. It's uh, wet and it's cooler. Uh, fall is here. I have a special guest host with me tonight, Ryan Watson, sitting in for uh, Blair Thompson. Ryan, welcome into Kentuckiana Sports Talk. Hey, thanks, George. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Uh, Blair is not uh, playing hooky or anything. He's just uh, got a middle school football game tonight, and you may be thinking, what? They're playing middle school football, but they are uh, the the Cubs. I almost said Lions. The Cubs had uh, games at Silver Creek tonight, but uh, Silver Creek moved those games to Jeffersonville where they have uh, field turf. So field turf gets some mixed reviews from folks, but uh, on a night like tonight, uh, field turf comes in pretty handy, Ryan. Yes, it does. I, I'll say West Washington's JV team also is playing tonight. They're at Brownstown playing the the Braves freshman team uh, over on the field turf there at uh, the Brownstown campus. So, again, uh, a rainy, soggy night. I'm sure parents are miserable and were disappointed to hear they were going to be sitting out in the rain. But, hey, when you can, you're not going to mess up the field. So, hey, why not have the game? But to a player, that that makes all the difference in the world. Oh, the better, yeah. You love it. (laughs) Hey, you you know you can. You remember the movie Necessary Roughness when uh, Rob Schneider says it was a 15-yard gain, but he hydroplaned for another 20. (laughs) This is the kind of weather we're having tonight. That reminds me of that. Uh, So anyway, just. uh, Good stuff. We wish all of our local teams luck. The the Senators over at Brownstown and, uh, again, Blair and the Cubs tonight down in Jeffersonville taking on the Dragons, uh, hopefully coming back with a couple wins there. MSC clash down at Jeffersonville, the Cubs, and uh, we wish them luck. So, anyway, I, I want to talk about our big story before we get started, but uh, really before we do, I just want to take a moment, uh, Ryan, to, to just talk about the heartbreak uh, of losing Joe McKinley. For those who hadn't heard, you know, Joe passed away, uh, a farming accident, and uh, just want to take a moment to just just remember Joe. Uh, he was one of those young men I remember in high school, remember him well, uh, that group that he played with, the Corey Bat, uh, and those guys were just uh, on the same basketball team, and I just did, just one of those group of kids, Ryan, that you just love to be around because they were always polite always uh 
did things the right way and uh, won a lot of games too. We're very competitive. And uh, when I heard that Joe had passed, uh, it was just heartbreaking. So just want to send out uh, from WSLM and, and us here at Kentuckiana Sports Talk, uh, just our love and prayers to the McKinley family, to his uh, fiance out in Hardinsburg and, and all those who knew Joe and were close to him, just our love and prayers and uh, just uh, just let them know that we're thinking about them and uh, as they mourn his passing over the coming days and weeks and months and even years, really uh, a void in their lives that can never be filled because Joe will always be missed. We just uh, want them to know we're thinking about them. Did you have the opportunity to know Joe? Uh, no, I didn't. What everybody said, and all the lives that he has touched um, here in the community, uh, he, w from what I gather, he will be uh, greatly missed. Yeah, some of those guys down. Here, Joe would always play in our three-on-three -three at Pekin. I hosted the Pekin three-on-three uh, for the Fourth of July for about four or five years in a row, and Joe would always end up on a team. He was one of those guys you wanted because he's six-three, two seventy, two eighty. You went after him. You, know, you want Joe on your team. And uh, uh, I shared this in church yesterday. You know, uh, they would hammer Joe. They would foul him as hard as they could. And that's the only way you really could stop him from scoring. And uh, he would never call the foul. You have to call your own fouls in a three-on-three. -three. And uh, Joe just wouldn't do it. It just wasn't in his nature. And uh, uh, But some of those guys in that three-on-three -three are real stinkers. You know, they get mad and throw things and they throw their fits and – I don't remember Joe never not smiling, even when he was getting hammered with those fouls. And uh, just really, he's one of the reasons I kept doing it because you get frustrated with people acting uh, immature and throwing fits. But but Joe's one of those guys, he just loved it. He had a ball. And he, you know, he would get in his car at, at the end of the day and he'd say, hey, George, thanks for doing this. We had a ball, you know, win or lose. So. Uh, just, just one of those really neat people I had that I consider it an honor and a privilege to get to know uh, in my time here in Washington County. So, again, I just wanted to take a minute to, to send out. I don't know if the McKinleys are listening, but anybody who knows them, just let them know that we are thinking about them and, and they've been in our prayers and will continue to be uh, as, as they go through these uh, rough days ahead. So, Anyway, not, not to move into a more – everything seems trivial when you think about a tragic loss like that, but uh, we do go on with life. Uh, there's a time for everything under the sun, Ecclesiastes tells us. So uh, we had a pretty busy weekend of sports, Ryan. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. What was, <laughs> what was your favorite part? I'll, my, I'll tell you mine. But. You're, so you're going to let me kick off my big story from the weekend. <laughs> Uh, being a golfer, it has to be, and, and you know, I had forgotten about, uh, the PGA event that was even on the other channel. And I just happened to, uh, there was a break in the game of the week, the Cowboys and the Seahawks. There was a break in that. And I flipped over to see what Tiger was doing. I remember hearing about him in the lead on Saturday and I flip over and, and of course he's making the victory lap. I mean, he pretty much has it locked up. And he's just uh, securing the final few holes, and he's making the, the run. So, really, I, I, I left football behind for about an hour and a half on Sunday afternoon in the fall to watch Tiger pick up win number 80. So, I really thought of all the sports stories this weekend, uh, Tiger getting win number 80, getting back. He'd been close, and I think that made it 
you know, that was kind of like the icing on the cake to his season is to be able to get that win. So for me, that was the big story. Uh, what do you think about Tiger? Is he back? You think he's going to make a run at some more wins next year? Well, you know, um, that was part of my big story this weekend was was uh, was Tiger's comeback. Well, let me ask you one thing: one hundred ninety-three. Do you know what that number means? One hundred and ninety-three. He's asking me trivia. Am I going to win some tickets or something if I get this right? <laughs> I'll give you some. One hundred and ninety-three. I would say weeks. Since he won a tournament, I don't know. I didn't do that math, but but it wasn't that. It's actually 193 percent. That is the percent of increased viewership in the PGA Tour Championship on NBC uh, yesterday, and actually the whole course of the tournament this weekend. Um, viewership for the PGA Tour Championship was up 193 percent over last year. Wow! Um, is 126 percent over two years ago. And that just uh, coincides with I uh, looked at the um, at the percentages from the Open and the PGA Championship when Tiger came in second to Brooks Koepka. Uh, those were real close together. Tiger, just by being back, and for oh what was it, 15 of the 18 tournaments that he played in this year, really was pretty far down the. Um, leaderboard, but every tournament that he was in, that he was um, playing in on Sunday, their viewership was up. So, actually, whether whether he's back enough, there's going to be the debate. Um, oh, until April of next year, whether Tiger's going to win another major or not. Whether he's back to that form or not, you know what? Really, it doesn't matter. He's doing for golf what he did 20 years ago when he first came on the scene as a young upstart that was dominating the field. Well, Tiger did that this weekend. He dominated the field. He, he led opening round to the final round, and everybody had to play catch up to him. And really, for about 45 minutes yesterday, he was a FedEx Cup champion <laughs> until Justin Rose just had an, an amazing 18th uh, uh, hole to um, save the title for himself in the $10 million. But we, he's got the Ryder Cup this week. Um, Tiger's in there with a, uh, Captain Furyk's team, and actually they hit the plane uh, last night to head over to France to start practicing already. So this weekend, depending on how he does in the Ryder Cup, hey, that'll tell us a lot um, looking into the 2019 season, whether Tiger's back or not. So can you imagine that? I, I mean, for our listeners, you think about that. Now, Tiger didn't play in this event this weekend a year ago, and, and he played this weekend, and he was in contention. So 200%. Viewership is up 200% because he's in the tournament, and he's in contention, and, and he won it. So people are watching. And i got to be honest with you, Ryan, I'm one of those viewers. Oh, I did too. I, I turned off football yesterday. I, <laughs> and really, the games, the games yesterday, and I'll get into that a little bit, we're not that exciting. <laughs> but Tiger leading in the final round of a tournament. And actually another stat to see whether he still had it or not. Out of 23 previous tournaments that he had a three-shot or higher lead in going into the final round, he was undefeated. So I had to see whether this was Magic 24, and it was. Now Tiger is one of about four golfers for me who moved the needle. Now if, if Rory's playing well... 
I'll probably tune in on Sunday to see how he does. Jordan Spieth is another. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I, you know, just to w- love to watch him play golf the way he golfs. Uh, you know, and, and there's a few others. I, I kind of felt like Justin Rose yesterday. See if you get this reference. It was, it was he a little bit of Shooter McGavin yesterday? I mean, everybody <laughs> on the golf course is rooting against him. Uh, uh, Tiger is happy make, Gilmore. And he did make reference to it. He goes, sorry to rain on your – Right, I know who you wanted to win. for this guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, after he hit that uh, second putt to ice the FedEx Cup, he gave that little wink to the camera and said, sorry. Right. <laughs> he did. He did. And, and I thought, yeah, you better say sorry because everybody in that place and most of the people watching on TV wanted to see Tiger get both, get the oh, double yeah. sweep. But I don't think I, – Tiger doesn't care about the $10 million. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, you're uh, the first billion-dollar golfer in the, in the sport. <laughs> I don't think the $10 million really makes that big of a difference, especially considering where you came from. He, he hasn't even been a – he's not even a year removed from – that fusion and he won the tour championship and came in second for the season hey that's even without a spinal fusion just being in the top 100 for me would be great (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so number two on my list ryan from the big story from the weekend was not the fact that the colts lost in philadelphia or, or played well against the super bowl champions but the fact that at the end of the game when they needed a hail mary they pull out Andrew Luck and put in the backup quarterback because obviously we didn't hear any injury reports today about Luck. I was kind of watching to see, well, maybe he tweaked an ankle or something and they brought in Jacoby off the bench to, to make that throw, but his arm just apparently isn't strong enough to make that 54-yard bomb. It's the only thing we can make of it, right? That I, And it's probably a precautionary mate measure if I was a coach and you're in that situation you know how far you have to go down the field yeah I probably wouldn't put Andrew in that situation because a there's so many things going going on at that moment that were favor that were working against Andrew Luck and the Colts at that point a you gave up that huge sack um before that ate up a, a bunch of that took away a bunch of yardage so you have that and he's recently, he's just coming back, third game into the season from that shoulder surgery. I don't think I would, even a healthy Andrew Luck, I'm not sure I'd want to uh, put in that situation just because I don't think you're, yes, you're a professional, but I think the frustration level so high that it probably wouldn't have been a good thrown ball anyway. Yeah, I'm sure, and I didn't expect against that Philadelphia defense you were going to really – have any shot at I mean good good defenses good good defenses that are coached well are they know knock the ball down <laughs> don't don't give it them any chance to complete this pass so I, I'm sure Frank Reich knew that this was a, a good defense they were going to be coached in the right positions but still uh, you know you you think you want your thoroughbred on the field with, with the game on the line and, and for whatever reason he, he they opted to go with a backup and and you know it wasn't the only case that that happened in the Arizona Chicago game late in the game they pulled Sam Bradford out of the game and put in Josh Rosen so uh you know it wasn't the only time late in the game and I know they didn't pull 
Andrew Luck. I'm not trying to start that. There was a controversy there in in, in the Indianapolis game, but uh, certainly was uh, worth noting, I thought. That was a big story. I thought another one was the Clay Matthews hit that certainly was the the buzz in all the sports talk shows today. Was, was it a late hit or not? Hey, the rule is the rule, and I, I probably shouldn't uh, or can't. A lot of people out there would say George can't speak objectively on this issue because – he is a Bears fan, and he couldn't say anything nice about Clay Matthews and the Packers if he wanted to. But, I, I mean, I agree with the intent of the rule. He broke the rule. He, he put his weight down on the Redskins quarterback. It is what it is. Now, you don't but like how it. how do you avoid that? That, that is a rule that, that is put in place that really was, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, was not researched enough because any lineman – in any tackler in that sport, if you are put, if you have um, a full head of steam running, trying to chase down um, a player, whether he's a quarterback, whether he's a running back or not, if you are in the process of tackling them, your weight's going to go on top if you fall down. Um, and just, uh, I knew we were going to be talking about this, so I wanted to look this <laughs> up. On the flip side, and and really my opinion on this rule is if you're going to put these rules in to make it so um, so safe for the quarterbacks, and I don't think they should be allowed to advance the ball because they are getting an, a clearly unfair advantage by not being able to uh, uh, be tackled, in a sense, because I don't know how you tackle a quarterback without putting your weight on him. How many times are you going to be able – do you think – Clay Matthews, as outstanding of a um, athlete as he is, a, a, an outstanding tackler, him, Khalil Mack, would be able to just shoulder check like Cam Newton and tackle him? No. You have to actually put them down on the ground. So, with that being said, we've got this rule that's patting the quarterback. Let's just let him go out there with a red shirt from now on. That way everybody knows they can't touch them. You have, um, on the flip side, you have Miami Dolphins defensive end, William Hayes, tore his ACL yesterday trying to avoid landing on the quarterback. Oh, Ryan, I got to I gotta be honest with you, though, man. I watched that about six or seven times, and I'm, I'm just going to call, you know, I'm, I'm calling it BS. I'm just saying it. <laughs> I, I, I think after the fact. I don't know. I, I saw that. I would be hard-pressed to say he was trying to avoid. Did you see the play? Yeah. Did you think he was really trying to avoid putting any weight down on the on the quarterback? I mean, I, we aren't there. We don't know inside his head. Yeah. But for, for me, watching that thing at full speed, about as much – as Clay Matthews was trying to avoid putting any pressure on the quarterback. Now, and I agree with you. Hey, I don't like the rule. I think Clay Matthews got hosed. I don't think he did last week, and I don't think he did the week before against the Bears. I think against the Bears, it was a helmet-to-helmet hit. I think last week he clearly is picking up the guy's leg to drive him in the ground, which is kind of where the rule started. Uh, yesterday against the Redskins, man, I don't know how you're a referee and pull that flag, but but – if you read the rule, he did put most of his weight on the quarterback. So it's kind of like the helmet-to-helmet thing. How do you avoid that going full speed? You can't, 
so you take the penalty. I, I hate I hate that rule from the standpoint. I don't mind the 15 yards. I understand you want to get it out of the game. You want to teach young people how to hit right. I hate that you get thrown out of the game on your first. I would almost like to see them bring in a warning. Okay, you like you, college, you, you get two you get two unsportsmanlike um, conduct penalties and and you're well, and I think they even changed that. It, you're right. Last year it was two and you're out. This year it is first time you're first time you're nailed for targeting you're out. So. I would like to see that change just because unless it was the referees or the officials deemed that it was in your intent to do it. And I know that's a judgment call, but if they say, no, he came in and that he wanted to hit helmet to helmet, you're out of there. But for me, if it's an incidental, man, you're just making a, a hustle play, uh, don't don't try to uh, – don't take a kid out of the game or a young player or, or even in the NFL, uh, uh, a key member of the defense out of the game based on a hustle play. So – Anyway, that that was certainly the talk of the – and the NFL is not going to change anything mainstream. I did that people were crying all over talk radio today about, oh, they got to do something to change it. Sorry, folks. That's not how the <laughs> – the NFL does not operate that way. They do not say, oh, we may have got this wrong, uh, like the catch rule last year. Uh, they're not going to go change it midseason. So it is what it is for this season. Uh you're just going to have to live with it. It is what it is, Ryan. <laughs> Whether we like it or not. Whether we like it or not. So that was the NFL news. Those were our big stories. A big story locally, I just want to remind our listeners that uh, uh, in the East Washington community, I have this on text, so I just want to remind folks down in Pekin that the community is invited to a meeting on uh, September 26th. That is uh, Wednesday, September the 26th. Uh, the community is invited to uh, the cafeteria, the high school cafeteria, to discuss athletic conferences. Uh, and, and it really doesn't say specifically. I've seen some buzz on social media. I think some people assume that uh, there's two options there, stay in the Mid-Southern Conference or move to the PLAC. Uh, but the, the, I, my daughter is a senior at Eastern, so I got the notice from the school. It said that... Uh, it's, the meeting is to discuss the EHS Athletic Conference status. Please attend if you want to offer your opinion. Well, this is an opinion radio show, so I think I'll take this opportunity to offer my opinion. And, and for what it's worth, this and uh, a dollar will get you a, a, a burger for the Coach's Corner Wednesday night. Uh, when Bubba talks to Coach Bowsman and Coach Dean and Coach uh, Hartsfield over there on Wednesday night about Friday's games. But it's it, it's an opinion that gets mixed reviews down in, for our folks, Ryan, down in uh, East Washington. Uh, I think it would be better for the Eastern athletic programs, East Washington athletic programs, if we competed in a conference against schools – more similar in size. Now, people say that, and, and the knock is, and the argument you hear right away is, we don't need to play against easier competition. Losing is, you shouldn't run from hard competition and go play easier competition. Well, I want to just squash that right away. It's not easier competition, right? I mean, uh, Eastern 
their girls won a state championship two years ago in girls basketball. Last year, a PLAC team won the same sectional Eastern did and made it to the final four of the Class 2A girls basketball. So, a PLAC team, the conference you're thinking about moving to. So, this is not any easier competition. And that's across the board. Eastern, uh, somebody has done the math. Eastern has a 24% winning percentage against Mid-Southern Conference teams in team sports. And they're only winning in the PLAC at a 54% clip. Are you sure they've won more? And that's my argument. You're more competitive against those teams. You win about half of the games you play against PLAC teams. You win about two out of every ten you play against Mid-Southern Conference teams. It seems like a no-brainer to me why people would want to continue to stay in a conference where you win two out of every ten is beyond me. It'd be like... Uh, for me, Bellerman saying, hey, I want to join the ACC where we win two games out of every ten because it makes us better. I haven't seen that, Ryan. I just haven't seen that argument play out. So so I don't know. I, I hope folks will go and, and voice their opinion, and, and I say, hey, whatever the majority wants, let's do it. I, I know it would be better for football. I've coached middle school football at Pekin. And I know those kids are tired of getting beat 50 to nothing by Brownstown and, and getting beat up by Charlestown on Friday night and, and North Harrison, and and it's just rough. It, it's hard to get kids to come out in the masses that you need them to in football when you know that's what you got to look forward to on Friday night. Now, but logistically, let's look at let's look at the pros and cons of switching conferences. Who's your farthest um, MSC um, game? Well, I mean, without doing any real study on it, I would say Brownstown's up there, uh, probably one of the furthest away from Pekin. Brownstown, uh, that'd be my guess. Brownstown, maybe Charlestown. We're right around there. Yeah. I just would be, from, uh, from a parent's standpoint, I would really, really have a hard time driving from Pekin to Tell City, to almost Tell City for a Perry Central game. Sure. And and you're going to have to do that. Granted, football, it's a Friday night sport, but basketball is not, not always going to be on a Friday night. It's going to be during the week on a school night. Do you um, – is that – me, the, the teams in the PLAC are a little bit further out for – Eastern. Yeah, and I hear that argument, and I, I I know I've been a parent whose kids played sports, and I, I say, sure, that's a legitimate argument, but it's not an argument that can should stop the deal because you could play girls basketball at noon on a Saturday and boys basketball at on a night game on a Saturday. Uh, you know, there's ways around around the difficult, and Perry's the only one really in most sports that Eastern doesn't already play. They already play Crawford. They already play Paoli and Mitchell. Uh, not everybody plays Valley in every sport, but most of them do. Uh, and, hey, the parents can have a little fun. I won't promote anything over there in, in French <laughs> Lake, but there's a few things to do if you're if that's your flavor. They do have a very nice indoor uh, go-kart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, 
there's a couple other things to do. Uh, they have a couple great uh, United Methodist churches over there. there. <laughs> um, up on the hill, great putt putt. Uh, if you had a couple loose nickels, there'd be some things you could do with those. And anyway, I'm just saying, uh, the Springs Valley is where Larry Bird played. I mean, if I was a basketball player, I would want to play in the gym that Larry Bird played in. You know, I mean, things like that. So, I don't know. I think it's it, it's neither here nor there. I grew up in Louisville. We did not have conferences. I moved to Indiana, and I'll I, I be honest with you, I still don't really understand conferences totally. If you win the conference, you get what? Bragging, bragging rights. rights. That's yeah, okay. Bragging rights. bragging rights. All right. I, I see that. But nobody ever turned down opportunity for bragging rights. Well, and sure, and that's what I say, Ryan, and that's one of the reasons I promote this. And I say this as a uh, – the team sports, you know, when you w- – let's just use boys basketball, for example. I always talked to Coach Newcomb when he was the basketball coach. Coach, what's your goals going into the season? What are always the three goals? Yeah, we want to win conference. We want to win the holiday tournament. We want to win conference. We want to win sectional. Okay. And then you get to sectional. So you get through the holiday tournament. You get through the conference. And then you get to sectional. And you get to only play against 2A teams. Now, guess what? When I talked to Coach Olish... And I don't even know how any of these coaches feel about the move. Uh, So I'm just going in blindly here. They may be all for it or all against it. But then I'd go to Coach Olish, who's a cross-country coach, and I'd say, Coach, what's your goals? And he would say, well, we always want to win conference, and we always want to do well in sectional. Well, guess what? When cross-country goes into sectional, there's no dropping down to 2A, right? They're running against – the Floyd Centrals and the Bedfords and the Seymours and all the biggies, the Columbus schools and the Bloomington schools. So to me, those athletes, a conference title would mean, if I could win a conference championship in cross country, it may mean something a little more to me knowing that I'm going to have to go up against, I may not get a sectional championship because I got to run against Floyd Centrals runners. So, and guess what? I can't do that as easily in the Mid-Southern Conference because guess what? I got 4A Silver Creek down here with 1,000 students compared to R420. Uh, it's going to be pretty hard to do. So that's my argument. Uh, take it for what it is. Uh, I just think it'd be a good move for every program. Nobody wants to look at every program. They want to look at the, the one they're involved in. This is best for my program. <laughs> and, I, and I do hear some arguments about, well, tougher competition makes you tougher. Okay. Tougher the, competition also uh, makes uh, the losing awful. <laughs> well, well yeah. But for those winning programs, Ryan, I say, okay, you've, you've, you, you, there's a couple programs at Eastern. We won't uh, uh, uplift anybody or push anybody down, but there's a couple that are in really good shape. Well, but we know girls basketball – and wrestling are in great shape at Eastern. They compete every year for wrestling has won two Mid-Southern Conference championships in a row. A girls basketball is, is finished second or, or third here over the last couple of years in the Mid-Southern Conference. So the, the argument there, it's working for them. Playing in a tougher conference is working. But if they played in a conference that was easier, they could add some schools that were a little 
you know, to beef up. I, I figured up they beat New Washington by 50 points and Clarksville by 50, and they had a couple 50-point wins, drop those schools and maybe add some that'll, you know, and that's just, like I said, what's going to happen if they stay put? Nothing. And what's going to happen if they move? Yeah, maybe you'll drive 15 minutes further on average to some of these games. Uh, ultimately, uh, the school people who decide, the board members, I know most of those school board members down at Eastern, and I'm confident they're going to do what they think is best for those kids. But but it's fun to talk about. It's fun to debate. We've had some serious stuff going back and forth on social media, and I love it. I always say, hey, I hope you know that I still love all of you all, even though we don't agree on this. To me, this is what sports is all about. Let's let's debate. And one thing, one thing that remains the same, no matter whether – whether the decisions stay in the conference or whether it's to change conferences, one the one thing that the one constant that's still there is you still have to play the game and you still have to you still have to do the same things to win a game whether you're playing a one A school or whether you're playing a four or five A school you still have to outscore the other team so whether whether you're in the PLAC whether you're the MSC whether you're in the SAC the game doesn't change you still have to take care of the ball. Um, no matter what the sport is, and uh, and outscore the other opponent. So, uh, to me, it doesn't matter which which conference they go into. I <laughs> like your your daughter's a senior. I don't have any dogs in this fight anymore. Right. So, well, and she's a senior who's on the dance team, and we we only compete against the best of the best up in you know. I mean, all the dance teams are in one big pot, so we don't have the the privilege of. Dancing against conference foes, we we go against Avon and uh, the bigger schools, Westfield, <laughs> to name a few. We we go into some of those high schools up there, and our jaws drop. They're so big. It's like you could put two of our Easterns in in, in Westfield, I think. So, uh, but there again, you, you know, there's no excuses to that. Our our coach a few years ago said that. Well, I don't care if we're dancing against Floyd Central or if we're dancing against Mitchell. Go out there and dance your rear ends off, and uh, let's win. <laughs> and, and there's truth in that. I just would say, hey, don't worry about who's on that other side of you. Go out there and strap them up and, and give it your best. I uh, We used to have a, a young man who was really good at football, and I, I would see him too many times. He would lower his standards, uh, Ryan, and let the other kids catch him. And I pulled him to the side one day. I said, don't ever let me see you do that again. I want you to keep your level as high as you can. Make them come up to you. And, and it, there's a sense that if Eastern stays in the Mid-Southern Conference, uh, which is what I expect will probably happen, uh, but if, if they stay there, uh, I hope that's the message that's sent to the athletes. Don't, don't just stay there and feel defeated. Rise up. Go beat those teams. Be the, be the schools. Remember a few years ago, I was headed to North Harrison. Salem was playing North Harris, and this is the old schedule before the conference, before Eastern had football. Uh, it's Friday night. I'd like to put some uh, – I'd like to build the legend up a little bit, but I can't. I was just – I was going there because North Harrison wasn't very good, and I thought Salem was going to blow them out. That's why I was going to this game on a Friday night. And uh, as I got – there used to be a place that sold mini barns there on the old 135. You you guys remember that place. Uh and about that time, I got this feeling in my stomach. West Washington was hosting Brownstown, and Brownstown had won 50-some-odd regular season games in a row. 
And I, I just, this feeling is rare. And it wasn't anything that I ate. It was a football feeling. So I turned the car around and I head out to, head out to Campbellsburg. Uh, I did have two motives. One, it was the feeling in my stomach. The second was Ron Smith's ribeye rib sandwiches. The ribeyes, so the, there was double. Uh, Hal, Hal, Pearson, Hal Pearson wasn't at uh, North yet, so he'll hook me up up there usually, but it's still not a Ron Smith ribeye. Uh, the, the, the stomach was stronger. So I get, I get out there, and, and West Washington beats Brownstown 14-13 to 13 that night. It was just... To me, I always think back to, man, I wish everybody who plays Brownstown could watch that tape because it was just one of those games where West Washington just wouldn't back down from Brownstown. And they were as good as they had ever been. You know, it wasn't a down year for Brownstown that year. They had won. This was midseason, probably the, the sixth week of the season or something, and, and they just beat them 14-13. to 13. And, and to prove it wasn't a fluke, Coach Ferris took the boys over there the next year and beat them again, back-to-back years. And I remember standing outside uh, the, the locker room at Brownstown, and I heard Coach May yell at his team, this is West Washington. At halftime, he was yelling, and we're losing to West Washington. He just couldn't believe it. But but so to me, it's, hey, they put their shoes on one at a time, their pants on one leg at a time, go beat them. But too many times I see kids, well, this is Brownstown. How bad are we going to get beat tonight? Well, you've already lost. Why are you even going to play? If that's your attitude going in, why are you even going to play? Yeah, nobody in Seymour was saying that last week. No, absolutely <laughs> not. We had the privilege to beat them twice in middle school football. And, and oddly enough, those – those two teams went over there, and they hadn't been beat down by Brownstown yet, so they didn't have that mentality either. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, we hadn't been beat a whole lot in anything. That seventh grade group that went over there and beat them, they hadn't been beat by a whole lot of anybody, so they didn't. They felt pretty invincible. The mystique hadn't set in. So, <laughs> anyway, just just a good a good reminder. Six thirty on Wednesday. If you want to talk about conference affiliation down at Pekin, they're going to be having a, a community meeting. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a fun time. I think people are passionate about what they're passionate about, and sports is one of those things. So, uh, I just uh, think that would be a fun. It'd be fun to see some of those matchups. I would like to see uh, what Coach Dean could do against Mitchell and. Uh, I think Paoli loses about 20 seniors this year. I'd like to see Eastern playing against Paoli on a Friday night and uh, Crawford County back on the schedule. And they would add maybe a Rock Creek uh, to their non-conference schedule. Still be able to keep Salem and uh, on on their schedule. So I, I think that it would really benefit the Eastern football program the most, uh, a conference move. But like I said, well, I, I don't know. more freedom to actually schedule games instead of – Right now, they're pretty. Their schedule's pretty much set every year, as long as they're in that conference. Um, you got eight conference games. They, yeah, they have all but. You got West Washington is your not, and you're not yeah. going to drop West Washington. No, so because that's that's a huge gate for you. So, anyway, speaking of West Washington, uh, a big win on Friday night, forty to twenty-eight over Tecumseh. Uh, really. Uh, got a tough one on on Friday night. They host Perry Central. Speaking of uh, long drives, uh, Tell City comes to town. Uh, Perry Central comes over to take on the five and one Senators. 
Salem uh, coming off a big win against Corden, 51 to 14. Uh, they travel to Pekin. That 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 would be the game of the week in the county, I would say. Uh, Coach Dean always has something drawn up for Coach Hartsfield. I remember one of the first years Coach Dean was down there. Uh, I talked to Coach Hartsfield right after the game, and he said, "I can't wait to go watch film of this." Salem won the game like twenty-one to fifteen or something, and Coach Hartsfield said, "I can't wait to go watch the film because I can't figure out what he was doing to stop me." He wanted to get home and and investigate to see what Coach Dean was doing, and and. Uh, you know, I think it's always a dogfight when those two teams play, and and hopefully oh, yeah. records go out the um, go out the window when it comes to rivalries, especially um, a rivalry like that. So, um, both for both teams, their seasons aren't what they want, but I know both teams and both coaches are looking at this as being um, zero zero. We're we're both looking; they're both looking at this as, hey, this is it starts now. This Let's get the win now at all costs. So that's and that's what that's a great thing about in county rivalries. And here uh, in a couple more weeks, you're going to have a repeat of that with Salem and West Washington, and and of course the same thing. Uh, the same is true there. No matter uh, how dominant one team is, when you get into that game. Uh, Everybody's record goes out the window, and you just get out there and you just play smash mouth football for um, for for a couple hours. Yeah, uh, I agree. And for Salem, it's a chance to go to four and three. I think it's huge for them. To, you know, there's just something about getting that winning record. Hey, we we struggled all year. You start out the year with two losses. Now you've been climbing back up, and boom! All of a sudden, you're four and three. You still got some winnable games here to finish out the regular season. Uh, just got a chance to finish it. I had a question here come across my uh, uh, our, our text line here in the Pinewood studio. Uh, Jamie Richardson said he if Eastern joined the PLAC, he he's not sure he'd like to see Salem continue to play them. Maybe, this isn't a coach saying this, so I don't know if this would be bulletin board material. He said uh, it'd be a great opportunity for Salem to maybe pick up a bigger school, play some uh, tougher competition. Uh, certainly a bigger school would would bring more people. Yeah, but there's something I just don't – I don't ever see a day where you would end a rivalry with any, with any of the three schools. I just – I don't see that happening. He doesn't see a day where you'd end a rivalry. I got two words for you, Ryan Watson. Two words for you. John Calipari. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about high school. (laughs) I don't know. I I think, honestly, I think rivalries really, you look at rivalries in a couple ways. Is it it beneficial? Am I getting the gate from it? To me, that's the first key to a rivalry game. If Louisville was horrible for 10 years in a row and they played Kentucky in basketball, it'd still sell out. So you wouldn't end that rivalry, even if it was lopsided. Uh, And then the second factor would be competition. So those are the two factors you look at. Are people paying money to see it? And secondly... Is it competitive? And you know, West Washington Salem football always checks those two boxes. Uh, I even mean, in basketball, I remember back um, back in the in the days 
we would schedule, and these were my days when I was at Eastern, uh, from a booster standpoint, we would schedule our fundraisers on the days of the Salem, of the Salem game. Because no matter, well, sure. what, no matter how bad either team is, you know one game that's going to be standing room only, and that's going to be the Salem-Eastern game. Well, and so much so, the Salem-West Washington rivalry, so much so that the Randy uh, Johnson, when, when he was still with us, uh, they used to be boy-girl doubleheader on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, but he moved He moved it. Nights, yes. the, the girls play on Tuesday now, the boys play on Wednesday, because the rivalry was so good that even the girls' crowd, which is normally lower, uh, drew a pretty good crowd. Mm -hmm. So from a financial standpoint, hey, I'd rather go ahead and get these two big gates than to have it on one night and just because a lot of the people went to both games, you know, so you, hey, if I'm going to get Ryan Watson's five bucks, I can get it twice that week because he's probably going to come watch the boys game too. Mm -hmm. And uh, so so. for that reason, I don't, uh, to answer that text, I really don't think that even if there was a conference switch that, that Salem would, um, would take them off the schedule. I, I don't think so either, uh, but I, I do think there, there would probably be discussion if there was a team that you could add that would bring that. I don't see it. That That's that's the issue I would say to Jamie is, okay, but tell me who that school's going to be. You know, Floyd's not going to come here, uh, and that, that would automatically bring you the bigger crowd because even mm-hmm. even if they think they're going to beat you by a lot – they bring a huge crowd with them to watch that that beating they're going to give. But but they're not coming. You're probably not going to get a Seymour school or a Bedford because Friday nights are pretty – most people are boxed in with their conference affiliation. I heard a, a suggestion once, and I would love to hear some Mid-Southern Mid Conference fans talk uh, their thoughts on this, but why not do divisions in high school? You know, like you could do a, a – two divisions in the Mid-Southern Conference where you had like a North and a South. And then just on the last week of the season or, or one of the last weeks of the season, you play the first and second place teams, the second and third or the third and fourth place teams. And that way everybody gets the same amount of conference games. Uh, and that gives you a little bit of freedom to add some teams out of your conference that you could, you know, for for Eastern who who could add maybe a, a Rock Creek or a, even a Mitchell or a Springs Valley, somebody who you could pick up another win or two to just maybe build some confidence and get some young people uh, some varsity time that uh, you might not otherwise get it. Uh, but I, had, I, I don't remember. It's been a few years since I read the article about the idea of conference divisions, kind of like a lot of the major college conferences have done you have uh, two divisions in the Big Ten and, and the SEC's two divisions, the ACC. Really, uh, maybe all the Power Five conferences. I think all the Power conferences are split up because they all have 14 to 16 teams in there now. So there's it's virtually – well, it is impossible football-wise to to get get every, every conference game in. But I love Jamie throwing it down. Hey, we might not even play Eastern if they if they weren't in the Mid Southern Conference. That's uh that's taking it next level with the rivalry <laughs> stuff right there. I, I always joked about Louisville had won five or six games in a row against the UK football team. You know when we started playing back in like 1994, uh, Kentucky had had like a 12 and 0 record against Louisville, 
and now Louisville holds like a one-game record or it's tied. But so I mean, we've kind of dominated the modern day series. I think it's going to shift this year, Ryan. I think I could probably. Me and 10 of my buddies here in Washington County could go down there and beat the U of L football team this year. Yeah, which, well, which, and well, speaking of college football, that was a it was an interesting college football weekend. You had uh, um, Kentucky; they're still they're still dominating out there. They actually entered in the polls this week at 17. Yeah, I, I mean, do we call? I mean, Kentucky's the best team in the area. I mean, right? I mean, from I mean, I would even you put have them to say so with. Uh, Notre Dame one, Kentucky two. I'm talking if we did the oh, state of. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about Indiana and Kentucky being our two states that are connected. We always compare. Uh, I say Notre Dame one, Kentucky two, but who knows if I wouldn't mind seeing those two schools play each other. The Irish defense trying to stop Snell and. You know, bowl season. You never know. That could happen. That definitely could happen. But but speaking of college football. Uh, there was some buzz around U of L this weekend. I tell you, I'm not in this camp. I am not in this camp. Let me just say this, and I, I am a Brom Jeff Brom fan. I went to school with Jeff Brom at U of L. Watched him play. Speaking of streaks, speaking of streaks, I'm going to tell you another story. True story. I got, I got verifiable witnesses. Same type of situation. Jeff Brom had won, I don't know how many games in a row at Trinity. States, and these were, you know, Brownstown streak had a little bit of an asterisk because these were just regular season games. But when Jeff Brom was in high school, he won like 50 games in a row, games like state championships included. And uh, a friend calls and says, hey, let's go watch the Brom kid play at Trinity. They're at Holy Cross tonight. And I'm like, man, they're going to kill Holy Cross. Why you want to go watch that? He's like, I don't know. I just like to see them play in high school. So we go out Dixie Highway over in Louisville, and Holy Cross beats Trinity 14 to 13. Same score. Mm -hmm. And snaps that streak. That is not legend, guys. I'm being serious. It happened. Just so if your team has got a major losing streak, call me. I'll go with you. And I think there's a chance it could break. But anyway, I was that story was leading somewhere, Ryan. I'm not in this camp yet. But I have some Cardinal fan faithful who are already placing Coach Petrino on the hot seat. And I, there's one name at the top of their list. Oh, of course. It's there's one name at the top of their list. You know it is. And- I, I don't understand it. My question was, he's one and three at Purdue. Why is he number one on your list? I want to see some. He went eight and four, I think, at, at Western and took them to a bowl game. He, he, I love his offensive style, but I, I want to see more at the D one level. Purdue, first year at Purdue took him to to a bowl. To he a bowl game yes, he did. One. He did. He did. But I don't. You know, okay. Bobby Petrino recruited Lamar Jackson and won a Heisman. I, I, you're ready to fire this guy. And bring in somebody. I know he's a hometown boy, and he's going to get. If there's good football players in Louisville, they will come to Louisville. Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore's. Rondell Moore is exactly why they want to go after Jeff. Right? I, I, because, really, do you think Rondell Moore would go to Purdue for any other reason other than Jeff Brown? Well, right, but but that's okay. Why, to your Rondell why, Moore, I'll bring why. in Lamar Jackson. 
Lamar Jackson's in the NFL now. I understand that. Forever, George. <laughs> but that's the that's the nature of fans these days. You 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 you, you graduate Lamar Jackson. Uh, and you got a couple good young quarterbacks coming up, and you think, okay, we're just not going to miss a beat. And I'm sorry, you just don't lose players of that caliber. And we're not Alabama. That, <laughs> see, there was a day when I loved being a Louisville football fan because Alabama on their practice squad has um, has enough talent that can beat uh, probably any ACC team. Oh, easy, <laughs> easy. Yeah, maybe Clemson, maybe not. Clemson could play with them. Probably, <laughs> but that would be the only one this yeah. year, especially because Florida State looks. That may be uh, Florida State Louisville may be a good football game because there's two really bad teams going at it Saturday. <laughs> oh, I thought I wanted to go to that game until I, I watched what I've watched so far this year, and I thought you may not be able to give away a ticket to that game this year. So, uh, but hey, uh, speaking of Florida State and the football college football landscape. I think Jimbo Fisher can just flat-out coach. Uh, you know, I know they lost handily to Alabama, Texas A&M, but, man, I just thought they put up a heck of a fight early against that Alabama team, and if a couple plays go their way, they don't beat Alabama, but they keep it close. I, I just thought, no wonder Texas A&M gave him so much money, and uh, that that dude could just flat-out coach. You always hear, well, it's not X's and O's, it's Jimmy's and Joe's. No, X's and O's got a little bit to do with it, too, because oh, yeah. uh, I'm not sure Texas A&M would, would have played with them with a whole lot of other coaches in America. Jimbo flat out knows what he's doing when it comes to coaching those boys up. Uh, it was fun. And I'd have got to do give hats off to Coach Brom. They had been, the, especially the last two weeks, the bearer of bad luck. Last three weeks. Three weeks, and you go – and you go through, and I was watching the game on Saturday um, on ESPN. They just said, "Hey, this before the game, the two announcers they were they were talking about how BC is probably the 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 one to challenge Clemson for the ACC title. This should be just kind of a tune-up game." <laughs> and next thing you know, they're they're down by uh, by 16 points at at half, and then they end up losing. 30 to 13. Yeah. But. And they're not ranked anymore. Nope. And hey, by the way, out of the, out of the uh, schools in Indiana that were playing ranked teams this weekend, I do believe Purdue was the one that won. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry to to throw that out there, but (laughs) I have to. To which IU fans, I'll speak, I will speak for them. I have to say that we won our ranked game. I'll speak for IU fans that would say right now, well, we are still three and one. Uh, and, and I would say that I watched uh, most of that Michigan State IU game, uh, uh, and, and it was fourteen to seven. And really, if that would have been the score at halftime, when when Sparty went down and scored, and it was twenty-one to seven at halftime, you just felt—I mean, you just almost saw the IU shoulders just kind of. Like, I, I was still only 14 points, but I just got the feeling, like, just punching that in right there before halftime, it was just too much. If they could have went into halftime 14-7, to 7, the energy stays in the crowd and the players were still up. But when they saw Michigan State just run down, and basically that, that last drive before halftime was almost like a ghost two-minute drill. Like, there wasn't even a defense out there. They just moved the ball so easily. Uh, and it's just one of those things where – 
I, I don't know. I, I thought IU was going to give them a better game. I picked here last week. I picked IU to win this and win that game against Michigan State, especially because I watched Michigan State play against Arizona State, and they just didn't look as crisp as they did Saturday night. And uh, but I, I appreciate what Coach is doing up there in Bloomington. I think he's got the program headed in a, in the right direction. And I got to be honest with you, I, I think that that's going to be a war uh, when those two teams, Coach Brom and uh, the Hoosiers, I think they're yeah, both going to be for one game in the season. And that's uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, we at this point of the year, we both we have fan bases have to be realistic. Uh, IU and Purdue are not going to be playing in Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship. We know that. We've seen Ohio State play. We've seen Michigan and Wisconsin and Penn State. So we know that neither of those teams are in that upper echelon. Uh, As a Louisville fan, I'm I'm thinking they're probably not going to be playing for a bowl game unless uh, Johnny U steps down off that statue and comes in there and gets under center. Uh, Kentucky may be so that maybe we'll be playing spoiler. Maybe they'll come in and – uh, be looking at a major bowl game, and, and Louisville will get a chance to to rain on the parade. Rain on that parade for a change. We'll we'll play their role a little bit uh, as uh, spoiler, but uh, <laughs> a lot of Louisville fans are saying it. Right, Ryan just got a text saying Brom at Louisville next year. It's not going to happen. Louisville is not going to replace Petrino for one bad season. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Uh, as a lifelong Louisville fan, they don't make moves. Petrino is there that... until he wants to. Leave. Nope, I don't. Nope, really? nope. He doesn't have uh, car blanche for sure. He doesn't. He can't stay as long as he wants. But they're not going to get rid of the guy for one bad season. Uh, that's just not going to happen. But but anyway, back to talking about the. What uh, we had to be realistic about, and then same with high school teams in the area. You know, hey, Brownstown's got the the MSC sewed up. It looks like uh, Paoli is in the driver's seat there. So you start thinking about sectional. Let's get some. Let's get some kids in some positions here because we're not we're not really playing for a conference title. I don't I don't mind losing as much now that that's out of our grasp not that you ever lose on purpose but the idea is to get some people some some more playing time and i want to get better as the sectional moves on so just a reminder wednesday night at mcdonald's that's at eight o'clock greg coach's corner uh go out and get you a value meal uh good stuff there at mcdonald's loving it bubba and the coaches rj hartsfield luke dean and philip bowsman I'll be the guest. Uh, Senators are on a roll, man, five and one. You got the Lions rocking and rolling now with uh, two wins in a row. They're three and three. Uh, And then uh, Eastern is one and five. But you know, I know the Musketeers are hungry. Nothing they would like more than to uh, get win number two when the Lions come to town. So, uh, uh, I'm interested to hear what the coaches have to say, and, and I'm sure Bubba will get them get them talking about those games and don't forget that the sectional draw for the the football pairings that we just started football season Ryan yesterday and we're already having uh sectional pairings on October 7th at WSLM uh 97.9 FM uh 12:20 AM the football sectional draw so you'll find out who 
who everybody plays. You know, the Salem sectional is 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 power packed at 3A. Uh, West Washington has a legitimate chance this year to to win that Class A sectional. I think if you're mentioning teams that I uh, look th- look across the board and say, hey, uh, I don't know if I'd tab them the favorites, but I don't know if I wouldn't either. So uh, just uh, tune in and find out who all the local teams are playing. And, and that'll be there Wednesday night, the Coach's Corner. And, of course, wall-to-wall football tonight after the show goes off. You got Monday night football. Can the Steelers right the ship and get people talking about football for a change instead of who's not in camp, uh, Antonio Brown? Uh, can the Buccaneers keep rolling? Uh, it's magic. Fitz magic. Are, are you on board or not? Uh, I'm on board with him. I, I think he's a solid quarterback. Uh I think Jameis is, is kicking himself in the rear end for all his off-the-field troubles. Jameis Winston, the former uh, starting quarterback for the Buccaneers. Uh, we lived in St. Petersburg for a year, so I'm not a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan by any stretch, but uh, it, it, it was hard not to root for the Orange Crush back then when we were we, – their kicker. I'll never forget his name because it's just fun to say, Donald Iguibuike. It was their kicker when we were down there. I had a poster on my wall because they put it in the newspaper uh, one Sunday. So that'll be coming up Thursday night football this week. Uh, fun times. That'll be on the air Thursday night. Thursday, Rams and uh, Vikings. Rams and the Vikings. And then Wednesday night before the Coach's Corner at McDonald's, we got uh, Coach Allen from IU and Coach Brom from Purdue talking about their matchups this weekend. Uh, there again, just uh, lots to listen to here on the radio. And uh, – Keep listening all week. Uh, Ryan, you got anything else? Uh, no, I could go on all day. <laughs> I could go all day long about sports. So Never run out of sports to talk about. We want to thank Greg White for uh, keeping us going here tonight on, on the air. We want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, and come back next Monday, 7 o'clock. We'll be back in the Pinewood Studios for Kentucky Anna Sports Talk. We'll be talking about all the NFL action, all the high school stuff, uh, the sectional pairings that will be coming up. Just too many sports to really fit in an hour. So uh, we, we'll do the best we can. But anyway, have a great week. God bless and uh, keep on listening. You've been listening to Kentucky Anna Sports Talk on WSLM, 1220 a.m., and 97.9 FM. Join us next week for more sports talk about local, regional, and national sports. Be sure to call in on the KST Talk Line at 812-883-3401. And between now and then, tweet your comments and questions to KY in Sports Talk or post them on our Facebook page at Kentuckiana Sports Talk. We'll have a question of the week polls for you and all the latest news and interviews with local and regional players and coaches join george and blair next week on kentuckiana sports talk